Welcome to The Thing About Health Coaching, the first ever podcast from Your Coach Health, where we discuss advancements in health and wellness coaching, trends to watch, and the growing body of research. This episode was generated from conversations that occurred at our Global Health and Wellbeing Coaching Symposium in November of 2020, with a focus on how coaches shape happy and healthy humans. Please note that the industry is rapidly changing, so some of the information discussed may be outdated. For the latest compendium of research, be sure to follow along with us and check out our latest health coaching report. We enjoy bringing you each and every episode, and it would mean a lot if you could rate this podcast in your favorite player. And of course, hit that bell to be notified of future episodes. What a fun and informative day it has been so far. We've learned about reimbursements, coaching for coaches. We've had an awesome breakout session with Cole, and now we're moving on to diversity in the health and wellness industry. As health and wellness professionals, we're supporting individuals from all backgrounds and their unique journeys to health. Today, we host an ever important discussion on how to create programs that honor and empower individuals from diverse backgrounds, inclusive of race, gender, ability and disability, ethnicity, religion, age, and sexual orientation. We're grateful to be joined by thought leaders who've been outspoken on the need for better, more inclusive practices, but plan to continue this conversation as a community in the future. Please join Kenya Nunez, Leslie Salmon-Jones, and Renee Hughes. Hi, everyone. My name is Kenya Nunez, and I am so excited to be here moderating the Your Coach panel discussion today. In my day job, I'm an assistant dean of entrepreneurship at Hopkins University, but I'm also a social entrepreneur. Before I ventured into entrepreneurship, I was a secretary for 20 years. But then in 2012, my husband got sick with cancer and everything changed. He ended up passing away in 2013 and I was left with three small children. At that point, I quit my job to pursue my purpose or I should say my purpose found me. Today, I'm a certified health coach, a yoga teacher an Amazon bestselling author. I have coached troubled teens, a special needs community, immigrants, as well as conducted workshops for parents and facilitated all day trainings for the New York City Department of Education. I teach self-care wherever I am from the supermarket line to schools, universities, and uh, it's my greatest passion. And that's why I'm overjoyed today to be moderating this panel discussion on wellness. So today, today we're here to discuss diversity in the health and wellness industry. As coaches, it's important to create programs and practices that honor and support clients from all backgrounds. Today, we discuss where we are and where we need to be headed to be true partners to our clients. This can only be done by understanding their holistic identities, inclusive of race, gender, ability, disability, ethnicity, religion, age, and sexual orientation. We're starting the conversation today with thought leaders who have been outspoken on the need for better, more inclusive practices, but plan to continue this conversation as a community in the future. So today we are so excited to have Leslie Salmon Jones and Renee Hughes. Ladies, would you kindly take two minutes to introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about your company and what inspired you to get started? Leslie? 
Thank you so much, Kenya. And you're, first of all, I just want to say I'm honored to be in this uh, discussion with you all today. And, uh, and your story is inspiring. So thank you so much for that. Um, my background, I am a certified wellness coach, um, holistic personal trainer for many years, a professional dancer. I trained at Alvanelli in New York, and I actually came to yoga um, through Alvanelli back in the early 90s. And um, I also co-founded with my husband Afroflow Yoga, which is a practice, it's a combination of yoga, dances of the African diaspora, as well as live music, as you'll see all the instruments behind me. Uh, we have for the last uh, 12 years, we've been um, doing healing circles around the world with people from all walks of life, different ages, sizes, colors, levels, abilities, um, cultural backgrounds. Uh, we've also done uh, racial healing workshops and worked done trauma healing programs with youth, uh, indigenous, black, brown, indigenous um, youth rather, and different communities. And we also have a teacher training program. And we have been virtual since COVID. Uh, and I'm here in my living room in a house that's been in my husband's family for 106 years. Oh. Uh, we're in the Boston area. And, uh, and so I, we do a lot of work with our ancestors. Ancestry is really important, connecting the roots and bringing the uh, deep wisdom of the diaspora, the African diaspora, into healing and wellness. There's so much richness, richness there. Uh, and so that's our work, my work in a nutshell. Well, thank you, Leslie. That is phenomenal. And I'm just excited about you as well. So um, that's phenomenal with the work you're doing. So thank you. And it's an honor to be with you and Renee tonight. Uh, Renee. Hi, thank you. Yeah, it's an honor to be here as well. I am, um, my journey started, and both of your stories are so beautiful, by the way. Um, I was just one of those sick kids. I was sick just as far back as I can remember. And my parents would take me to doctors and they never knew what was really wrong with me. They were like, oh, she's just got a nervous stomach. She's just a nervous little kid. But it turned out I had a host of gut issues and things that just came from not knowing what to eat and how to eat properly. And then I had one of my mentors take me under her wing and introduce me to natural living. And that kind of changed my life. But it wasn't until 2013 that I decided to go. I didn't want to go back to school. I was trying not to do it. And then I finally said, this is what my passion is. I really, I want the education. I want to know how to help, you know, people, my family, my friends, the public to have really whole complete health. And so it happened in 2013. And then I went to specialize and became a professional aromatherapist. And then I specialized again, uh, helping people manage stress and emotional detox using essential oils and a method that I call, call the, the mood makeover method that helps people to re release negative toxins. Uh, I think what's different about my practice is that things are, this is something that's opened up for, for people, natural health and wellness. People are looking for something holistic. And for me, for one thing, the, my method of meditation is very different than what's popular. Like most people understand what happens with yoga. Um, and I teach a different method where instead of like emptying the mind, you're you're bringing in something a little bit deeper, you're clearing toxins, 
but you're sending in positive reinforcement a little deeper. So it's just something that's, it's an um, alternative for folks. And um, I love doing it. It's just, it's in the way I give back to the community and to people who, my, my thing when I think about, um, you know, diversity and, and equity is that so many people who need what we have um, don't have access because maybe they can't afford it. And so I do a lot of free workshops to, to cover that, but that's a little about my story. No, that's great. That's wonderful. And it's important. I think we'll get a little bit into that in terms of how you give that access to all. So Leslie, um, this question, well, this question's for both of you. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, your practice and what are some of the ways, so you described a little bit about your, your craft, but what are the, some of the ways that you create a space that's inclusive of all backgrounds? Mm, that's such a great question. Uh, well, it's actually inclusion has been at the core of who I am from growing up in Toronto, Canada and growing up in a really uh, diverse family. My grandfather's three of my grandparents were Jamaican. My grandmother was Scottish, Irish, Canadian. I have indigenous uh, first cousins and, and um, I grew up in a Jewish community and <laughs> the list goes on and on, but it was really, it, really important to me. So diversity and inclusion is at the core of who I am, as well as the core of our mission of Afroflow Yoga. So it's, it, it, it's, it's always an invitation to bring in people from all different walks of life. And uh, we make sure that, uh, as Renee slightly touched on it, there is an socioeconomic barrier. There are barriers. So we make sure that we have free programming as well. We partner with a lot of organizations who have funding and then we can provide the uh, the programs. So we make sure that it's really inclusive across the board, uh, and and even with abilities. So we uh, you know we modify as much as possible. It's really the barrier is about inviting people who typically don't see themselves represented, and making them feel so at home and welcome and loved and not judged. Thank you. Absolutely. I, I love that you touched upon that because one of the things uh, in my journey that I learned is I started coaching women on Facebook by accident. It was just me healing myself. You know, I just lost my husband. I had three small kids. I was learning so much about wellness and I just started teaching people. I wasn't trying to create a business. It was just something that helped my own personal journey. And a principal saw my work online and he said, hey, come teach at my high school. And I was like, sure, <laughs> never taught kids, went in. I thought they were girls for the most part. It was predominantly boys in a suspension high school. And my greatest lesson, Leslie and Renee, and I know you're both going to touch upon this, where going in, I couldn't go with my own agenda. I had to meet these kids where they were. And before I could teach them self-care, I needed to teach them to care, to care about their own life. You know, I needed to understand that their greatest struggle wasn't, you know, how to gain these life skills. It was, am I going to get home safely and not get shot walking through the Bronx, you know? And it's a very powerful thing when you have to understand who your, you know, your, your, your audience is. And we can't have the same agenda for all. So thank you for that. Uh, Renee, same question for you. Thank you. Renee, same question for you. And also um, just because Leslie touched upon 
um, how she gives access um, to people who may not have, and you, you actually kicked that off. Mm -hmm. how, can you share a little bit more about how you allow people that may not feel like they can get these services? Yeah, I'll I'll start with the part about inclusion. You know, it's something that's just natural to me. I I am a part of a spiritual family since my birth before I was born that is literally worldwide. And so, I mean, we have conventions all over the world. They're my brothers and sisters and race just has never been an issue for for me as far as what I open myself up to. Um so it's it's a natural thing to include when it comes to to race and ability. And even the, as you mentioned, the, the socioeconomic um, issue, I just was raised that God is not partial and that is how I was taught. And so I've just never been. And so I don't see things in the same way that I know that most people conscious or unconscious do because of my surroundings and how I was raised. The way that translates is that everyone has an invitation. Like Leslie said, it's like, it's an open invitation to, to work with me. Um, I'm also fluent in American Sign Language and Jamaican Sign Language is one that I'm learning. And when I'm working with those who are deaf or hard of hearing, I do that in my volunteer work. Um, I don't look at them as people who, oh, the poor, the poor deaf people, I got to go get in there and help them. You know, I don't feel that way. They're just not able to hear, but they're at the same level as any, anyone else. And so it's just a mindset. It's a mindset that we all as coaches want to be aware of that don't sum someone up just based on what we can see on the, on the outside. As far as what I uh, access is I do workshops um, pretty much on a monthly basis. I've started, started doing that, that where I really do teach. So I have a school, a certification course um, that is, you know, it's pretty costly. Not everybody is going to be able to, to get into that school. Um, but these workshops, they, they're three days and they're completely free. And I'm able to teach where a person could take the information from that workshop and start their own business or move forward in their, in their own business. There are people who are loving, empathetic souls who want to become coaches and they can't even like we all we all got our education and we we went for it. But there are people who want to be doing what we do and um, don't have access. And so. I'm able to, to bring them into the, the workshops and give them enough knowledge to help them with their emotional health and to help them if they if this is a business that they desire themselves. Renee, I really love that you talked about those free workshops because sometimes we believe that free means it's not it's not good. Right. You know, and sometimes too much information is too much information. And I always go back to my late husband where we started this wellness journey and we were going to chiropractors when they when the doctors, his oncologist said there was nothing else they can do for him. We went to oncologists, we went to chiropractors, we went to acupuncturists, we went to nutritionists. We did everything. I was like, I'm going to cure his cancer. And, and this is good. You know, I had this whole, cause I was learning so much and I, he went vegan. He went to Hippocrates health Institute and he learned in three weeks. And this was a man's man who ate red meat, played basketball, coach men's ball. And now I have him eating grass <laughs> and taking 30 pills a day. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, if I have to live this way, I prefer to die because it was way too much information he was exploding. Mm -hmm. So when you say that, Renee, I hope that anyone that's listening where you have access to something that's free, 
don't just assume that it's not as important and has the same value as something that you're paying for. So I, I really appreciate that you offer something that, and, and it's always taught me that if you can take one thing and work on that really well, there's the shift, there's the change, and that's for life, right? So thank right. you for that. Mm -hmm. So Leslie, um, so what is your take on diversity and inclusion in a health and wellness world as it stands right now? What is your take on that? Ooh, well, uh, <laughs> that's such a great question. So I have been in the health and wellness world since the mid nineties. And I often for so many years just would only see myself in, um, you know, whether it's festivals, retreat centers, even still, it's really, really scarce. Um, so for the last, really for the last 15 years or so, probably even longer, but focused wise, I've um, been working at any time I get inv invited to teach at a big center, like a large center that has a lot of influence. Um, I always speak to diversity and inclusion because what happens is that we, when we don't see ourselves uh, reflected um, and, and it's not even about the marketing, but even the teachers, the presenters who are showing up, uh, it really, um, it, it's, you know, the invitation isn't there. So people don't want to go there. And the people who really need the healing don't necessarily get it. Also, a lot of the healing modalities were, there's a lot of cultural appropriation around the healing modalities. Um, so it's about restoring the roots and really giving credit where credit is due and inviting the people in who come from a lineage. Um, and so I think it's like really, really important. I think people are getting it now slowly. It's starting to come around. Um, I think that there's a lot of well-meaning and intended people who want to open up and do the work in diversity and inclusion. However, sometimes they might go about it from the outside in. Invite, you know, just put all over on their marketing people of color. And then internally, maybe the work has not been done. So it can actually cause more harm then good when you invite someone in and you you haven't done the internal work internally personally and then collectively maybe in the institution so we have some work to do there's a lot of work to do there well said and so eloquent the way you said it. <laughs> it's true it's true i've gone to um these suspension high schools where i was teaching and people came in with you know great intentions but they didn't meet the students where they were and then they wondered why their you know uh glossy brochures weren't wowing these teens you know <laughs> so, so i appreciate that yeah and uh renee please share i love what leslie said um it's so much more than about finding people who who look like you it's about yeah. um it's about not having to do that it's about just that it's just the natural um thing that you don't see it. I mean, the same as what Leslie said, whenever I'm in a conference or in a large room um, with people who do what we do, uh, you can always count the, the people of color there. And oftentimes I don't realize it. I don't realize it until I like look back at something. I was in a conference the other day um, 
in that was really hosted in France. And I was looking back at all the panelists and all the speakers, and there was no one. There was no one in the lead that that was taking the lead, the lead instructors or the the ones doing the master classes that were um, that had any any kind of uh, the diversity. Um, I just just thinking I'm just a part of a lot of different groups where I'm 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 that representation, um, and I think that the 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 issue is more it's so much more what Leslie said it's internal and i think that people have been fighting for something for a very long time that they want to see happen um we heard our parents and our grandparents talking about the same subject in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and here we are we're still talking about this subject um so my viewpoint is that it is a very internal thing. Uh, it's something that cannot ha change um, from the outside or just because the conversation is happening. It, it has to be internal and it has to be something that comes from love because you, you can change the outside, you can change policy. Uh, none of that has anything to do with what happens with a person's heart uh, because that's where, it, that's where it comes from, it's, it's love. That's powerful that that most of us have a heart issue, right? That's what a lot of us are facing, especially in today's society. So uh, I want to mention that to help through the pandemic, your coach has been free since March and continues to be free for all who sign up. So my next question is about a questionnaire that your coach has. And one of the great things about uh, your coach is that the questionnaire has a feature where the coaches can put forth questions to get to know their clients better uh, before their program even starts. What recommendation would you both have for how coaches can craft their questionnaire to capture clients holistically from all backgrounds and to serve them and help them that much more? That's such a great question. <laughs> Renee, did you want to? No, I, you can go with you first. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking, I think again, um, it really, really comes from the inside. So if, if someone wants to attract, you know, some more people who are more, you know, more diverse um, network, I would say the questionnaire has to start internally. Like what are the questions, um, you would ask your, what would you ask yourself, number one, around where you are in your heart, as Renee had mentioned. And there's so many resources to do certain work. So it's almost like, you know, I think we have a questionnaire um, that we use for our teacher training program. And the questionnaire talks about their, their, their background, like, you know, their experience. And there are certain questions that are really true to what I know the work is about. So it comes so naturally, the questions. So I would say really be careful um, before you set out those questions to find the questions within and then they'll authentically come. I know that's like such a broad thing to say, but I think. No, I get it. Completely, completely. 
And, and I think a lot of that is when you overthink, like what almost as if you, sometimes we overthink, what, can, what do they want to hear? But if we stop, mm-hmm. as you said, Leslie, and what would we want, you know, for someone to help us and ask us? I think it starts there. It's yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. Renee? Yeah, I love what Leslie said about thinking about what it's really about. So when you're creating the questionnaire, when we, ha- we create our questionnaire, um, I'm looking for specific things that's going to help me help them. Because we know that, yeah, you might be coming to me for pain management, but I want to know um, different things that could be happening for your stress levels, because that's what we're going to address um, in addition to, to, to helping your pain. So I, I, I ask questions that are relevant, and to me, this is very important, that are relevant to the person's health in the way that I'm going to be helping them. There are some questions that I don't see the relevance uh, and, and why they're on there. Um, because you can't, certain aspects of a person's life is not relevant to how I'm going to be supporting them. And so the questions really want to help us open that person, but also allow them to be comfortable. I always, whenever I'm coaching, I let people know, the more you talk to me, the more you open up, the more I can help you, but it's got to come at a level that's comfortable for them, you know? Where, wherever they kind of like you, you mentioned earlier, Kenya, we're meeting people where they are. Mm-hmm. So you want to ask questions, but allow people to also feel honored and respected um, as they answer those questions. That's yeah, it's so powerful. And as, as you had said something earlier, Renee, that I didn't want to forget about was trauma. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I went into this high school, I, I've experienced my own trauma. Mm-hmm. However, going in and teaching it is a whole different story, right? Leslie, as you said, you can't do the work if you haven't done the work. And um, so for me, I had to become trauma-informed. And I was very blessed that I had this principal that took me under his wing and I went to all these trainings. So can we talk a little bit about the clients that you serve? And if you were gonna serve a diverse community, uh, being trauma-informed, being able to understand generational curses, limiting beliefs, all those things. Uh, what is your approach or your take on the people that you serve? And is there a different approach on how you handle these clients that may have underlying things that um, may give them a different starting point than someone who may not have those challenges? Leslie? Thank you. Um, so, I, you had said it earlier, Kenya, about not imposing mm-hmm. our ways. So I think one of the most um, challenging communities I went into in terms of um, in terms of working with the trauma was so with the youth, Indigenous youth who are isolated up in northern Canada, really struggling and. Um, and I learned so much. Like I did not go in as the expert. I <laughs> went in <laughs> like and listened and really uh, I gave them a space to create, co-create. We were co-creating on the spot. And and so the first thing is like to really, really listen. And oftentimes the trauma is so it's so connected to the body. So if you're teaching an embodied practice and someone is so traumatized that they can't really move their body, that's okay. 
it's like the it's it's going with the breath or whatever it is so really allowing them to be the leader like guiding um and and learning what they need not what i think they need because that will not work the thing about health coaching is brought to you by your coach health the only operating system for behavior change powered by health coaches We help a growing roster of industry partners stand up or augment their health coaching operations with the largest supply of validated health coaches and proprietary technology for seamless integration. We are the premier virtual home for health and wellness coaching. An ecosystem built to empower health coaches while expanding access to their services through our industry partnerships. To find out more, head over to yourcoach.health or yourcoachhealth on all the socials. Join us on the health coaching revolution as we strive to deliver the power of health coaching to the eight and a half billion global population by 2030. I just, you gave me chills all over my body saying that because I learned that I was not the teacher. I was there to learn myself and I became yoga certified for me because it was part of my healing journey. And then I was, you know, able to, I'll be blessed to teach others eventually. And when I went into these trauma, these, these schools where kids were troubled and had a lot of trauma, you can't put a child in Shavasana when they've experienced trauma, close your eyes, just surrender. What, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it was really understanding and learning and being quiet and watching and observing and sharing that heart space. So I just, I, I thank you so much for touching upon that point. Thank you, Renee. Yeah, I think it's important to create a space of, like both of you said, of safety, um, where people can go on their own journey. And it's not that you don't have something to offer as a coach, you can guide them. Um, And that's what I do with my clients, guide them on the journey with questions, with tapping, with oils and breath work and things like that. But you're, the way I approach it is it's never, I don't put people in a box. So even if I know, or they have shared with me, or I'm looking at their history, and this is what's happened to them, people experience things differently. And so maybe they came from this background, or maybe they had this kind of trauma, it doesn't mean necessarily, okay, so this happened to this person, or this person lives here, or this person was raised here, or this person didn't have their parents. Okay, so XYZ is the is the case for them. So this is how I'm going to go in. And and it's not, it's not always the case. You know, you can see people that are very well know how to understand love and give love who previously had not observed it in their parents or grandparents or whoever raised them. And, you know, typically we would say, oh, okay, this person's going to be need to, to be taught how to trust and how to love. And it's just not always true. So just kind of meeting people where they are, getting to know them as an individual versus, okay, so you're this, you know, so one plus one equals two, you've got to be in this box. So I just, I I never approach a client or a class, no matter who I'm teaching to, um, with preconceived ideas. We have less than 10 minutes left and I feel like I can talk to you ladies for like two hours because I seriously, I'm just like, we're going to stay connected no matter what. (laughs) But I say that because uh, just so many things that you mentioned where for, for in my, when I first introduced myself, 
I shared I was a secretary for 20 years. Why? For limiting beliefs. My mom worked at a sweatshop. She, her dream for me was to work in an office. She wanted me to make copies. In Spanish, you say, quiero que haga copias, copias, you know? And that was it. That was it. So I fulfilled her dream, you know? And 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 when did my life shift, Renee and Leslie? When my husband passed away, immediately all those limiting beliefs just shattered. I was like, you know what? That's it. Like, I'm showing up to my life. So it's just that one moment. So I love, Renee, that you said that because even with all my trauma and all my aces, I, you know, I, I was able to overcome because of, of, of one incident that shifted everything in my life literally overnight. So I want to get through two more questions real quick. Tell me, what role does spirituality play in healing? Leslie. Wow. What a, another great, you have so, such great <laughs> And yes, we can all talk. I, I want to stay connected with you too. Um, well, I can speak to my my journey where um, spirituality is at the core of, of my journey. In fact, um, really, I talked earlier about my ancestry. And, um, and for me, uh, really, the healing comes from that 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 trauma or whatever incident whatever experience brings me to that that has like the adversity um brought me to the bottom of the depths of darkness of that that place where i really had to find my way back home to my heart and i'm so grateful for my faith because in that darkness, there was a lot of fear. And in order to get through that door of fear, I had to have faith to take that step, that leap of faith. And, and I always feel like the, the gifts are in, were in that uh, adversity, those times when the darkest, darkest moments, I feel like a diamond, like in the rough, like where the light comes through and really it rebuilds um, my my inner self so for me spirituality and healing is hand in hand there is no separation for me for me i can only speak for myself yeah i'm gonna put that to the second power because that is i 100 i love that you said that i've never heard it that phrase that way where it's you know there's no separation. There isn't. It really truly isn't for me personally as well. How about you, Renee? Yeah, I think that's the case for most people. I feel the same way. I feel that you have to, the spirituality is the core of everything. I don't think that anything works without it. However, I don't include it in my practice. And I know that's very unusual for a holistic practitioner because that's what we hear over and over, body, mind, spirit, body, mind, spirit, and everybody covers it. But the reason that I don't do it in my practice is because when I focus on spirituality, it is something I do as a volunteer and I, I cannot have it part of my practice. I, I just, I don't, it's not something I charge for and it's just completely separate. Also, when I'm thinking of spirituality, it's more than um, being, con for me, being connected with, you know, the earth and the universe and understanding all these things, but being connected to the one who created those things. And it's very rarely talked about these days because you hear about, oh, the universe or God, which, whatever you call it. 
But for me, it's such a ginormous difference because my connection is with the one who created this thing that everybody is so amazed with, this, this beautiful universe. And so I do feel like in order for a person to be completely whole, that they would need to be cre uh, connected to that one who created all things. And so that's why it's separate for me. And it's not something that I address with my clients. I do acknowledge with them that it is a piece that has to be cared for, but it's such an individual thing. It's such a, a personal thing. And I remember before I started my practice, when I was looking for care and holistic care and natural care, that I did not want that piece because I had this very strong connection to my creator and he was caring for me spiritually. Um, I didn't want, I, I wanted, it muddied it for me. And so that's what makes my practice. Another thing that makes it really unique is because even though I do, we do meditation and we do release toxic emotions, it is not inclusive of connecting to a spiritual realm because I direct all of that to a very specific portion of the spiritual realm. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. That, that's, I, I, I also have to do that teaching in school, so mm -hmm. I can appreciate that. And it's not easy yeah. <laughs> to separate the two. So I have, I have uh, five minutes left, but I feel like I'm going to squeeze in two more questions. I kind of lied. <laughs> uh, so this, but I'm sorry. I just, I just, you guys have such a wealth of information. So um, what uh, resources um, can coaches create to create more inclusive spaces um, in their programs. Leslie. So uh, since COVID, we have uh, been practicing here and open. We've been doing uh, virtual classes, donation-based virtual classes every week. And uh, we have also been hosting conversations. And from those conversations, particularly with the uh, both pandemics, the racial pandemic and, um, and COVID, we have developed on our website uh, really extensive resources, which and that those were generated from our discussions. So the first resource, the first leg, there's three legs, is about the history of racism. And then the second leg is about deconstructing racism. And then the third leg is about healing our roots. And mm -hmm. there's so many, it, it's just really, really extensive. So that is a great place to look on uh, afroflowyoga.com and I encourage people to listen to their communities and really there's the wisdom in the community so there's an opportunity for the community to share their resources and then and then have a place for people to be able to go to those resources this um, I think that's really been helpful for us Renee Tell, what kind of resources are you are you looking for? Specifically diversity and inclusion. I don't have specific to that because I don't um, approach it that way. It, so when I'm, the resources that I have are resources for everyone. That's my way of approaching it because um, if you, if, 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 like Leslie mentioned, if we have changed within our heart that everybody is, is everybody, they're all our family, mm. then I don't, I don't have something separate for a certain group. So my resources are um, just how I, I teach my method for free. And I have videos on how um, people can use aroma tapping and breath work 
to release toxins and anybody can access that. And so those are my resources. Great, thank you. So um, in 30 seconds to one minute, what is one piece of advice that you can offer to someone who wants to become a health, a health coach? Sort of, I wish I knew then what I know now. Hmm. Nicole, Leslie. <laughs> well, I would just I would just say from listening to this conversation and being inspired by you, Kenya and you, Renee, is that your personal story, your journey is where the medicine is. Mm-hmm. It's like your whatever your truth is, uh, there's so much wisdom in everyone's journey. Everyone has something to offer. And if you have compassion, I think I always think about putting the oxygen mask on first. So if you have that 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 wisdom and knowledge of self-care, then and you have the the empathy and compassion to share with others, I say go for it and be authentic to and to your truth. Amazing, beautiful. Renee. That was so beautiful. Yeah. Yes. And I I I say the same thing. Um your story, really connect to it and figure out who it is that you're serving and be very specific about that. Um, get the education, invest in yourself. If you have to save or whatever you have to do, there's some beautiful stories out there of how people um, get to where they're, want, they're wanting to go, but do find a way to invest in the education for what it is that you wanna do and for your practice. If I had it to do over again, I would have done all of it, all the decisions that I made, um, I would have done them sooner. That is my one regret is that I took as long as I did, I would have done it all sooner. So yeah, invest in yourself, but really figure out who it is, who you are, what you're going to bring as a health coach, who you're going to serve and how you're going to do that. Thank you. Another powerful answer. Thank you so much. Thank you, Leslie and Renee, for sharing your wisdom with everyone. I truly, I I feel honored that um, I shared this time with you. And thank you to your health coach and the entire team for allowing me to moderate this incredible panel. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure.